Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Culture. Hello everyone and welcome to a new Winter Cults and Culture and today uh, I'm here with Dan. Hi Dan. Hey, how are you? Yeah, good, good. And how are you? Very good. Uh, I enjoyed watching the film that we're about to discuss. Mm. Uh, Quite excited. Yeah, we are going to be discussing Thing from Another World, um, the 1951 cult classic that went on to inspire The Thing by John Carpenter and also The Thing. Which is another remake, which was released I don't know, like five years ago or something. I didn't look at that, but still, it was a uh, two more remakes. It's actually based on a short story by a guy called John Campbell called "Who Goes There." And have you read that story? No, I haven't. Um, but it sounds like it was just sort of a piece of pulp, you know, from a um, kind of fiction magazine, sci-fi mm. fiction magazine. Yeah, I've always so had to think read it's, it. It's not necessarily something I'd like pick up and expect a great literary uh, read. Yeah, well, apparently this doesn't um, go too closely with the actual source material. Apparently the beginning of the of the book is um, represented quite well here, but apart from that, not really, in terms of the alien stuff as well. Um, yeah, apparently the script was adapted by Charles Lederer. Um, yeah, there's some obvious stuff later on, isn't there, when we, uh, we'll get onto that, yeah. where it kind of diverges. Yeah, but again, this is the original, original, original. So when you think John Carpenter's The Thing, this was the film that came before it. John Carpenter said himself that he was heavily influenced by this film. Um, and yeah, so and as were a lot of horror filmmakers, um, this was indeed quite the scare uh, back in the day. So yeah, um, Dan, what, what are your first thoughts, impressions? I hadn't seen this before... Um, before yeah watching it this is the first time i I had actually seen it i don't know if that's the same for you yeah i've wanted to see it for a long time um not necessarily because i'm a big fan of the carpenter version of the thing um but i quite like this old sci-fi and horror and it's quite you know well recognized as being one of the best um so it's been on my checklist for a long time and i was not disappointed um 
you know, even just from the first seconds, you know, when it mm-hmm. opens up and you get the old RKO mm-hmm. uh, logo, I think, ah, yeah, you know you're in for a good time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, overall, I, I enjoyed it, but there were some moments of weakness and some silly moments, which I think, you know, we can, we'll come on to. But uh, all in all, um, yeah, I was really I was really pleased with it. I, I enjoyed it. Interesting. I liked the idea of it more than the reality of it. Um, I think I have to say that I didn't really like it. I was actually, I was flabbergasted, um, let's say, (laughs) by things that were happening in it. I think my main, my main gripe, my main gripe with the whole film, and it's all, well, it's two things, but they're kind of the same thing, is that one, everyone talks over each other. It's constant. It's constant bed of people talking and it never, and I'm just like, I don't even, I can't even make out what people are saying because everyone's just talking on top of one another. And you might be like, oh, it's because they're talking fast or whatever, it's all time. And then, so, no, they are literally, so the people speaking and other people are butting in and interrupting, but that first person is still going. And that is constant. I think it's supposed to like add a bit of realism or something like, as in like, you know, it's just like, you know, this isn't like a play. There's a people who talk. This is how people talk. But it's like, no, I can't distinguish what you're saying because he's still talking. And also, I noticed that, and I really liked it. Oh, I hated it. I couldn't get couldn't get around it at all. I was I just like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, I just wanted to step in and go. What are you trying to? You go first. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you're trying to say. Which, by the way, half of it's all like classic cheesy, like oh, you know, shucks, guy, blah blah blah, kind of stuff. And then, a threat, and that's the thing. There's no lev- no levity. Doesn't there is a bit of levity, but there's no um, tension because they're constantly talking. So there's no like reflection. And then I was like, well, it kind of works sometimes because when the monster comes in, then you know, they're, I'm like, they're still talking. They don't stop <laughs> talking throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I see. You know that there's a lot of exposition in this film. Like you say, there's not a lot of breathing room to build that tension. That, for me, is the biggest weakness. Um, it's kind of like once they realise what they're up against, it doesn't take them long to figure out, you know, the nature of the uh, the beast uh, and how to slay it. And it's kind of like as soon as they realise what to do, they just get on with their plan, do it, kill it, done. Yeah. And <laughs> there's there's little... They never seem to be, like, really threatened. They never seem to be, like, that... <laughs> That bothered by it, really. They're pretty. Say that chill. to the two guys that have been strung up with their uh, throat slit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Who we never see. <laughs> that's so. Yeah. That's that's the problem. There is that what he's doing. A lot of this is like off screen. Yeah. Which is um, fine. I when he does lumber that. onto the set, it's kind of a bit goofy, isn't he? I mean, that's the main issue, and I think apparently they like that's why they didn't do any close ups because they were like. This just looks terrible. <laughs> so just keep back. But I think that kind of added a certain, like having that kind of distance added a bit of like, it's like the Jaws thing, but not the Jaws thing because you still see it. But like you're like kind of trying to make out what it is. <laughs> like you're trying to figure it out because they haven't done like a close up of anything. You're like, I don't really even understand what it is. Yeah. What's going on? Um, but that's why that character of the reporter was there. He's like your everyman, isn't he? Um <laughs> He's and I really liked him. Um, it's kind of like jovial, a bit kind of um, skeptical. Yeah, but he tells us quite clearly it's some kind of giant carrot. <laughs> he does. Yeah. He does. Yeah, it's a plant. 
<laughs> That's what they figure out. There's a lot that kind of happens in this film. Weirdly enough, it kind of follows the modern remake of the thing more than John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, because like having bringing the thing back in a block of ice and all this stuff and uh is uh, like and having the doctor well i suppose that's in the john carpenter thing as well but um yeah so i mean for people for people that don't know basically this they go up to the arctic i'm just going to sum up real quick they go up to the arctic they find there's these weird like radioactive signals or whatever they go out they find a ufo they find um a monster of some sort they cut cut it out bring it back to base it accidentally gets thawed out because someone someone put a fucking electric blanket on <laughs> on it left it there turned uh, on oh that was absurd that was another one of the, like the, the low points of this movie oh so funny electric uh, blanket make me laugh. electric fucking blanket like, you oh, had one job yeah <laughs> he's told to watch this thing yeah he's like ah oh, just tuck him in tuck yeah. him in for night Oh, yeah. Um, she say, like, he's kind of doing it because he doesn't like the way it looks or whatever, or feels like it's looking at him or something. That's why he covers it up. But, um, yeah, it does <laughs> just put an electric blanket on it. Ridiculous. And then basically it gets loose. It um, it kind of stumbles around a bit. It's they, they hint that it's like he's turned off the power or whatever the heat is. Um, so he's a little bit smarter than the average but he's basically this big lumbering um, Frankenstein-esque kind of monster. And they at one point they cut off his hand and they research it and it's like a, it's a plant. And then the doctor guy is like, oh, we need to, you know, find out more about it. And then he starts growing like little plants from the seeds of the hand or something. And he's like mixing it with blood or something like that to make them grow. Um if I remember all of this, right. uh, a lot of this was good stuff, I thought. Yeah, I didn't mind um, all that, but I was just a bit like, I think it was just because it just didn't let me any time to kind of digest anything yeah. and not in a good way. It was just like, it was like they needed to whiz through this movie as quickly as possible. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, just let me, just give me time to actually breathe <laughs> and figure yeah. out what the hell is going on. Totally. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of exposition and you're totally just being given answers all the time aren't you yeah um but it's like it's got that rhythm which a lot of these old movies have which which i don't mind it because I, I love that um yeah i love old movies anyway but it's got that very much like everyone's like when they're not talking over each other there's very short gaps between um dialogue so it's like well you tell me you do this well listen mister now they've got to do this thing over here and this is what this thing is. well i never said i just do the thing well this is it you've got to do something with about it. what about jimmy over here uh, uh, jimmy well, well it's God, so i don't know you don't do this thing see see what he says and all this stuff it's like, <laughs> it's like fuck, yeah. fuck fuck and with something like this which is like this horror scary thing i was just like yeah that just needed to ease that pace off but yeah it was always you said exposition like constantly explaining stuff um, but it's more talking than doing, and um, and I like the idea. That's what I mean. I like like the concept of it. I like the idea. It's like it's made of plants. There's seeds, and they grow in the thing. And it got the creepy doctor. And yeah, the, I like like the reporter guy just being a bit like you know I'm going to help out, even though like I'm one of the press and you don't really know me. But hey, you know I'm one of the boys, kind of thing. We're all going to pull together, um, and all that. But uh, yeah, my God, I was just like when it finished. And it's quite an abrupt ending, like a lot of these films are, I suppose. But I was just like, man, that really felt like a roller coaster in the worst possible 
as possible way. I enjoy the uh, dialogue in some of these old movies, uh, and that was the same here. And I think, yeah, there's a trade-off because you do uh, lose out on some atmosphere and tension, um, and there's too much levity here. They're all having too much of a jolly good time, frankly. Yeah. Um, but I do like the exchanges between the characters, the sort of jovial rapport they have with each other, um, and that tone, yeah, I quite, I quite liked a lot of that. What about the weird bit where he's like, he's like, his girlfriend or whoever the fuck she is, is like handcuffed him, handcuffed uh, his hands back in this like weird like sex act in the <laughs> randomly like this, this is scene in the film. Yeah, this was great. So, um, actually, I mean, just just to go back for a second and mention some of the key characters here, we've mm-hmm. got the lead, Captain Hendry. Um, who's the man that you're mentioning there. And he's like this typical, kind of like strong American leading man, um, you know, representing uh, like a practical mind and, and the military. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like him posed against this character of Dr. Carrington, um, which is quite, you know, it's an obvious trope. You set up these two characters and it's kind of like, you know, military versus science, mm-hmm. practical versus theoretical. Um, and then they chuck in this woman who's like incredibly, surprisingly forward and candid yep. for a film in 1951. That kind of, that took me aback. Um, she's, yeah, very brazen. Apparently, um, this is a Hawksian woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You familiar with that uh, that name? Well, Howard Hawks. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, some say... Well, sorry, go on, I'll let you finish your bit first. Um, I think you... Well, no, go ahead. I think you're probably going to say what I was thinking. Yeah, well, she's the... So this is a... It's been um, rumoured that Howard Hawks directed this movie, really, rather than the actual director, Christian Nibby, or Nibby, however you say. He was just an editor, basically, on did, like, Big Sleep and Red River. And this was his first directorial, directorial debut... Um, he went on to do a lot of TV stuff um, as well. But yeah, apparently Howard Hawks was on the set the whole time and basically made every decision. Apparently he played it down. John Carpenter talks about it, actually. He played it down early on in his um, career. Then as Howard Hawks got older, he basically was like, yeah, I directed it. But apparently he wasn't, he didn't always say that. And a lot of people, depending on who you talk to, um, will say uh, Howard Hawks directed it or not. But he was definitely a producer and... Um, yeah, this lady was signed into a five-year deal with Howard Hawks, I believe. Um, yeah. And this was basically her first and biggest part. She kind of got just thrown into, like, shit TV. And I think she quit acting about 12 years afterwards, actually, after this movie. So she's kind of thrown in and thrown out. I thought she was great in this. Yeah, I thought she was good as well. I didn't really good understand. Presence. It was a bit of a weird relationship because it's like, she's... She's, I don't know what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) So they're quite open about it. And this is what's quite surprising. They quite openly mentioned that last time they met, they had a one night stand. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Um, And she works for the doctor. So immediately you kind of think, oh, you know, at some point she's going to be compromised. Um, You know, setting up (laughs) maybe a a tense moment where she has to make a decision doesn't really happen because she just immediately goes, God, the doctor's going crazy. I'll give you all the information you want to (laughs) know. Yeah, true. Um, But yeah, she she fancies the captain. And at the end, it's great. You know, I said, like, she's candid. She sits down. He's with all the boys. And she's just like, 
I think, you know, you should slow down and uh, take me back to Arizona with you. Mm. And they're all like, gee shucks, I think she's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do have this like, it's quite, yeah, it's just a very strange, as you said, it's very strange for the time, but it's just generally quite strange anyway. Like everything she says, she kind of like laughs at. <laughs> So she's like always like being like, oh, <laughs> about everything. It's like, oh, we we'll get married, huh? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, uh, oh, really? <laughs> We're like trying to like, you know, um, almost like at some point she's, she's trying to get on his nerves or something. Um, but yeah, she was an interesting character and it was an interesting dynamic, but it didn't, they didn't really pay that much attention to it they just had that weird handcuff scene and a bit of to and fro and then yeah it's just kind of dotted elsewhere throughout the film really there wasn't i don't because she wasn't ever like in any danger wasn't she was like a damsel in distress or anything um it was just kind of like we need a love interest a little bit um yeah i think i think you're right there it's a shame because yeah they set up a lot of potential but um yeah, maybe with an extra half hour or something. Because yeah. it's quite a short film. It's just under 90 minutes, I think. Yeah, it is, yeah. But they devote a lot of time. Like that bit, that, you know, handcuff scene, which I don't think is in all versions of this film, I should say. So if you don't, if you've seen it, don't know what we're talking about, there's a chance that it might not have been in the cut that you saw. But um, Yeah, I'll just add as well that in your mind, you've interpreted them as handcuffs, but I think it was a piece of rope. Oh, right. <laughs> I think just had his hands tied by his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true actually i think it was just it was just a bit of rope yeah, isn't don't, it? <laughs> if you're a big fan of the film don't spend the next few years trying to seek out the rare handcuff edit because <laughs> it only exists in sam's collection yeah sorry about special that special private i think i was wearing handcuffs at the time that's uh, a that's a problem um yeah there's i feel like that scene goes on for like a good like seven minutes or something um, which is, it's a fair chunk of time in this site. Yeah. As you said, like it's only like a 70, 80 minute movie. It feels like, um, yeah, I don't know. It was all right. And I did quite like the other characters as well, but man, I was just so bored. I was really quite, I was really waiting uh, for the, the thing to turn up. And to be fair, when it actually did like come crashing in and when they like set it on fire and stuff, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. But just that last bit where he's like coming for them, and he's on the like electricity thing. I was just like, this feels like I should be more like scared or worried or tense than I actually am. I'm not really feeling any tension here. And it was quite funny when the doctor came up and was like, listen, I just want to be your friend guy. <laughs> if we just want to learn, you're, you're probably really smart and you have so much to teach us. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. in the way. Um, well, As a finale, you're right. It, it didn't lack. Uh, it, it did lack power. It didn't have a sense. Like I mean, there weren't any stakes. That's the problem. Yeah, weren't any stakes. Um, but talking about the monster, mm. um, you know, I think that's where what I, th- I was interested in. That's where the main sort of deviation from the original uh, novella appears. Yeah, and and, and the main difference between. John Carpenter's the thing, um, and that feels like a big mistake to me because you know, part of the appeal of the John Carpenter film is that like paranoia of not knowing what it is, who it is. Yeah, reds under the bed. Uh, 
I mean, that's the, the, like, the title of this story. Who goes there? It's obviously like, who can you trust? Mm. So we don't get any of that. Instead, it is a, like I said, a big carrot, as they put it in the film. It's um, yeah. a creature of unknown origin that is mostly made of some sort of like vegetable matter. Yeah. So they can't, well, they try to shoot it. They quickly realise they can't. It doesn't take them too long to realise how to kill it. I think she says, uh, why don't we just boil it? (laughs) And they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, They don't boil it, though. They electrocute it. Yeah, which I was a little bit like, would that work? Like, Could you electrocute a carrot? I suppose it runs. Microwaved a, it. I suppose it runs a current. It doesn't necessarily like, you know, whatever. Well, I don't think we could go too deep into the uh, physical anatomy <laughs> of a carrot person. Carrot uh, I did enjoy that scene where they're all, all of them are all crowded round and they've got the hand. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he runs off into the night and is attacked by the dogs and mm. kills a few dogs and they manage to re- retrieve this hand. Mm. And that was quite fun. And they do a little bit of exposition. Like they quite quickly figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, again, you can, can you imagine there's these like old scientists they're all studying it and then there's the guy the the reporter character from the press who's mm-hmm. like like I say he's like the voice of the everyman and he's just asking all these really annoying questions yeah. he's like fuck off I'm a, I'm a respected Nobel Prize winning scientist I'm trying to figure out what's the nature of this danger that we're all in and you're just there going ooh sounds like a big carrot that sounds like a little rubbish my readers <laughs> won't believe that <laughs> Fuck your readers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, there were little moments of it where I was like, this is good, this is good, this is good. But it wasn't good. <laughs> it's in, like, in theory, this is good. I like the idea that it's like, yeah, they find the hand, they're talking about the hand. That's great. I love the bit where that, like he comes bursting through the door and they set him on fire and all that stuff. That was cool. That was really cool, that bit. Um, that looked dangerous. Yeah, it looked really fucking dangerous. And... Uh, I enjoyed all that. And that to me, I was really like, I oh, fuck, he's like right there. And he's like now walking and on fire, like, like fuck kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think there's just that element of it's, it's just that, you know, it's difficult cause it's like dated um, in more ways, in more ways than one. And I think it's very much a film of that time. Not that necessarily makes it a bad thing, but in terms of like, just looking at, I think there's just an element where with modern eyes, you just can't help but sometimes look back at stuff like that and be like, it's not working. Like it, it, horror has kind of like evolved and, you know, visually. Ah. What's that? Well, they, this is, I don't think it's really a horror, you see. So, I mean, if you put it in the context uh, of 1951, when this film came out, mm. you know, science fiction it was it was very different. It was very it was new for it to be coming to the screen as well. A lot of these concepts were fresh for an American audience. Yeah. Um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And it is—it's a bit more heavy on on the science, mm-hmm. isn't it, than the than the fiction? Um, but especially, I think you got to—you know—you got to think this is like 1951, post just post World War Two, early atomic age. Um. You know, I think of like other classic films, and this is this is older than some of them. So, like that year, uh, the day the Earth stood still came out. Yeah. So, just this like concept of like aliens and flying saucers is all quite quite new and exciting. Mm. Um, 1954, War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, them also 1954, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which I always think of like like a touchstone. Even that didn't come out till 1956. Yeah. So like, um. It's still, I think it's still powerful and resonant for an audience there. But they use it more, I think, to kind of discuss some of these like matters around, you know, like the way the the scientist is portrayed, that character, yeah, against the kind of more pragmatic captain. You know, people are tired, they're sick of war. They've seen what uh, the atomic bomb can bring. Mm. You know, scientists have brought us the atomic bomb. Actually, we don't want this guy who like throughout the whole film his whole thing is like don't kill it let me talk to it yeah and and by the end i, th- I thought it was quite good like how he's uh, making a case for basically saying like you should all lay down your lives and die so that we can um yeah he's like this is the re- bigger deal yeah we can we can make sure we uh save this vital piece of scientific information and they're like no no we're gonna kill it uh you jeff off to the out into the snow, mm. um, but again, I think that's like speaking to probably the you know tastes of the American audience at that time, who you know at this point dealing with Cold War hanging over their heads. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, li- I like that it's kind of it's not. I don't think they're really ratcheting up the horror aspect in this film. I think it's more. Uh, yeah, trying to get, get, get some of those ideas and characters into into play, but I do recognise, yeah, that it's they just, failed at building tension, and there are a lot of opportunities to do it well that just fell flat. Yeah, I think it's just I was just thinking, it's like it's got horror tropes in it. Not that it's necessarily said it's a horror film, but like I think it was like marketed as being something scary like watch the skies or whatever. It's the thing from outer space. Um, so yeah, it's sci-fi, but it's kind of going into that sci-fi horror realm, which a lot of sci-fi was kind of starting to do, as you said, it patient, the body snatchers and all this stuff didn't come um, not long after, but um, 
Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying. It's just like from a filmmaking perspective, basically, like we've learned like a lot about how to tap into certain things and like someone walking in a rubber mask or whatever. Um, I think it, you know, it just doesn't, it's when you're in it, it's like, okay, um, this is you know fine. This is okay. But I'm just like, it's just not doing anything for me, which I imagine it would have done to people at the time watching it who were inspired by it to go and do the stuff that they did. If that makes sense. Um, and I'm just saying there's certain like techniques and stuff that have evolved and that we've learned over the years since then that um, adds to making something a bit more tense or a bit more scary, which is obviously what it's trying to go for in these individual scenes, at least. Um, hey, but there's one bit that I know you loved. Which bit was that? What about those opening credits? Yeah, they were really good. So they're exactly the same, aren't they? Yeah. Um, you know, 30 years later so good john carpenter just took those those credits like even when i think when i think of his version of the thing and i think of like you know the poster or the dvd cover or whatever that typography the logo of the thing is from this film yeah i think he made it by like i have to remember he like burnt something in front of the camera screen um or something like that to make it um appear like that i have to remember it's so cool it looks so good my other favourite moment in the film was when they blow up the ship. So they, they've all been sent to get the uh, spacecraft out of the ice. Yeah. And they're like, well, we need to melt the ice. We're just going to set off a series of thermonuclear devices. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they blow up the ship. And then the scientist turns around and goes, oh, yeah, I should have thought of that. Yeah, but they say at one point, they're like, oh, just melt the ice, don't worry about it. Like, it's uh, fine. It's like, what? <laughs> Still like an explosive. And then, yeah, and then he's like, you've ruined it, you idiot. And he's like, oh, yeah. He was quite cash, wasn't he? Because then again, later, when they get the uh, body, this creature in the ice block back to base, mm. he's just like, we need to defrost it. It could be dying in there. Defrost it and let's find out what's in there. And you know, in these, these times of coronavirus... Who knows what would have happened? Yeah, you don't know what's in there. Well, he got thawed out anyway. They, they, yeah, they could have all gone back blanket. with a. <laughs> they could have all gone back with the coronavirus from space. Yeah, they were lucky. They were lucky in a way that it was a, you know, a cellular organism. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, those in, uh, those that thing title sequence, the eighty-two version. This is what this is how they did it. Apparently, they put a fish tank that was about four feet wide by two feet high. They put smoke in the fish tank and on the back of the tank put the title that was drawn on an animation cell and behind that they had a piece of plastic garbage bag which was stretched over a frame and behind that they had a light pointing through the letters. So when they filmed it, they put a flame from the match to the plastic. The plastic would open up and let the light through the letters and that's how they got the letters to form and burn on with the light rays. It's interesting, isn't it? That's really cool. That's really cool. But I'd like to then know, how did they do it? Here in the 1950s, don't know, don't know, don't know the answers to that. That would be that would be fascinating. And uh, you know, would you ask Howard Hawks or would you ask Christian Nyby? Ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hawks. Ah. <laughs> yeah, probably. He, he, he would have known. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's it's interesting that um, yeah, you you liked it. Um, you liked it so much. Uh, cause I, yeah, I, it's 
it's weird as well because the other day we were watching a film called um, The Bigamist. Um, oh, yeah, right. And there was a guy in it, and I was like, oh, that guy reminds me of someone. And that's Kenneth Toby, who was the um, actor who played the main guy in this, actually, funny enough. And I didn't realize, like, he was in like a lot of films, a lot of stuff. But then towards like his dying days, he just got cast as like old man number two in like oh. really shitty films. And like his career, like he was still working, like, you know, quite until quite late into his age, um, but had really like minor, minor, minor roles on really shitty films, like uncredited, some of them. Oh no, that's so sad. Yeah. So this is really like his height <laughs> of his, uh, of his career really it was around this era. It's a good high though. Time names list the greatest sci-fi film of the 1950s. The whole decade. Whatever. It was a big success. It was a big success. I just don't see, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, just that, it, oh, you mentioned it earlier, for me, it was a much better, well, whatever, I won't get into yeah. it, get a bit annoyed no, by it, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I agree with you, I agree with you. <laughs> the person that played the thing as well was a guy called James Arness, um, who went on to be a lead character in Gunsmoke, which is a popular Western TV show, and uh, and also he was in How the West Was Won. Um, big guy apparently but uh, hence why he was cast as a thing apparently he was just really super embarrassed about it he didn't turn up to the premiere or anything he wow uh, yeah which you can kind of imagine because you're just in it for like a few seconds and you're just lumbering around like an idiot Um, (laughs) yeah it's a real shame Uh, also what's weird about these are little tidbits of information also what's weird is that the credits don't list the actors um, which is really unusual for the time <clears throat> it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, is that unusual? Yeah, normally they would appear at the beginning of the film. Yeah, like, it yeah. was just like production people. None of the cast were mentioned in the credits whatsoever. It's very weird. Very strange. Yeah, huh. yeah. So, um, um, Dan, any kind of like last summary thoughts? Any bits that you know you'll remember forever? Any bits you particularly hated? I um, I was thinking about. You know, where I've seen echoes of this film down the line. Um, you know, that idea of everyone being cramped together and it's not just the it's like invading enemy, it's kind of like people turning on each other. Yeah. Especially like this whole like the military guy versus the scientist. I just thought that is Day of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very much so. Um, so I thought, I mean, that there's no chance that, uh, that wasn't influenced by, by this. Um, and I also have thought about the, uh, remember the episode of the X-Files, Ice. Yeah, when, which was literally the thing, as in like the 82 version where it was something that creeps, in, it's like a little worm, isn't it, or something that creeps inside you. You could see it in your neck or something like that. Yeah. So even more underwhelming than this strange vegetable man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I loved that episode of X-Files, by the way. It's really good. It's from the first season when, um, yeah, there's a high watermark of quality, I think. Yeah. It's got Xavier, randomly, Xavier uh, Berkeley, I think his name is, who went on to be in, who's in like Terminator 2 and 24 and things like that. Um, So weird, but I know these random bits of information about (laughs) (laughs) X-Files. 
Uh, anyway, but yeah, I just thought as I was watching it, you know, there's there's re- there's good stuff. I know, yeah, as a whole, you didn't enjoy the film, um, but yeah, there's there's good stuff in there, and people have obviously, you know, obviously a lot of people watched it in the fifties and and loved it, and it probably stayed with them, you know. And then when they came to being screenwriters, directors, etc., it's kind of bubbled up. Yeah, I can see it more as a source of inspiration rather than something <laughs> you know that is amazing in its own right. Um, I have to say, I didn't, I didn't particularly hate it. Hate it. I was just completely under like the thing. John Carpenter's thing is one of my favorite films of all time, and it's. Um, I can see why this was a big deal, but it just doesn't for me. It just doesn't stand the test of time at all. And that's not to say it's anything to do with the practical effects or anything like that the fact it's an old movie i just there's just a lot of things i just think don't work and talking on top of each other thing you know it's not like you know shooting um not like screwball comedies or something where it's like back and forth it's like you're you're literally just making a mess of sound and it really annoyed me um <laughs> and also i just thought it's just a little uh, bit underwhelming i didn't think the acting was particularly Great. No one seemed that bothered by the fact that there's this monster running around. Everyone seemed to be like, oh, yeah, like we've been through worse or whatever because we're in the war or something like that, which is, you know, arguably true. But um, yeah. it was just a little bit like, can you, can there just be some source of jeopardy here? It's more like there's a problem we've got to fix. It's like someone's, it's like the fire alarm's gone off or something like that <laughs> rather than they're being stalked by like an alien. Yeah. Even when the doctor, you know, he's like going slowly mad. And the kind of reveal that he has gone mad. No one's really like horrified. They're just like, oh, he's losing his marbles, isn't he? Oh, well. Yeah, exactly. Moving on to the next thing. Uh, so, yeah, it was all right. Just, but, well, yeah, just a bit piss poor, really. Sorry. How, what, how it um, <laughs> what, what, what films could people watch that are better? Just watch the thing. <laughs> just watch John Carpenter's <laughs> The Thing. <laughs> And you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like we were talking about, you could go back and do some 50s stuff. I don't think I can recommend The Day the Earth Stood Still. I know, again, it's seen as a classic, but I did see that probably about four years ago. Um, I've seen it a couple of times, and I just, again, it's one of those things where I'm like, it's okay. I think it's better than this, but um, I don't think it's particularly great. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is like, hmm, it's like true classic it's sci-fi it's horror it's a bit scary it's you know it works on all those levels um yeah. so she said that's a good one and for the life of me i can't think of you know what else where else would you where else was in the 50s around that uh, time that was some cool sci-fi stuff there'll be tons i'm sure them them's a good one from yeah i don't think i've seen i don't know if i've seen them so maybe that's one i should check um, out um i think Quite a few of the like early Twilight Zone episodes yeah. that are focused on you know monsters and aliens and stuff. Yeah, that's a recommendation I mean, I for life. Just watch the original <laughs> Twilight Zones. Um, what's annoying is that series two or maybe it's three or whatever. Um, they had they were forced to record on basically VHS or whatever it was. Um, maybe it wasn't two. Maybe it's a bit later down the line. So yeah. the quality is dreadful. Um, so everything else is filmed on film. And then they change to the cheaper version every now and then, and it's markedly horrible. Um, but yeah, I'd still recommend, yeah, definitely recommend um, Twilight Zone. Like the best sci fi writers of all time were basically writing for that show. Yeah, bloody great. It's great. Right, I think we'll wrap that up now. Um, 
Uh, Dan, where can people find you? Oh, well, if you want to hear about some music, then you can come and look at my Instagram feed. Dreadful Discs. That's on Instagram. <laughs> Dreadful Discs. I thought you were going to do another one there. Um, and if you want to see a thing from another place of my body, then you can follow <laughs> us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at A New Winter or email us at newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, in, look to the skies because something's coming in the sky. <laughs> Bye. Culture. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.